this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. The beautiful thing about the lives of these patriarchs is that we see how God works with people and he works with human weakness and we see that the life of faith is a life of growing and developing in our faith. And so just know that, that God is patient. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapter 12 in a message titled, Abraham, the Man of Faith. Now, here's Pastor Brian. The the true God, the living God, He has appeared to me. And He's told me that we're to leave here, and He's told me that we're to go to this other place, and He's going to give us this land. He's going to make us a new people. Oh, Father, you don't need to worship these idols. Let's go serve the living God. And I'm sure Tara thought, well, okay. That sounds all right, son. But remember, I'm the dad. So I'll call the shots. And I'll tell you when we're going, and I'll tell you how we're going to get there, because I'm in charge. And I think, honestly, that Abram, being human... Being just like we are, frail, feeble, sinful, I think this was an area where he just sort of capitulated to Terah. And now here's what happens. God tells him to head out, and he says, I'm going to give you clarity on where you're going. And it it becomes known to them that they are to go to the land of Canaan. And so they head out, and instead of going to Canaan, they go all the way up north to Haran. And and no doubt this had to do with Terah. So we see with Abram, our man of faith, who's spoken to by God, we see that through human weakness, he allows his father to take the lead. He ends up, in a distant land, far from where God had originally told him to go. And so, you know, through this act of of disobedience, he delays the work of God and he creates a lot of, I'm sure, unnecessary hardship for himself because now he's he's gotta pick up the journey and he's gotta basically backtrack to the south. We can do the same kinds of things. Because, you know, sometimes the Lord will say something to us similar. Sometimes the Lord will call us out of relationships with people. Sometimes he'll call us out of uh, the comfortable. Or sometimes he'll call us out of, you know, the convenient. And he'll say, you know, I want you out of that relationship or I want you to move from that particular place there, or I want you to disengage from that situation, and we know that it's the right move, and we agree that we should do it, and we're going to do it, but, but Lord, 
how about if I do it, you know, like this? And, and we come up with, you know, sort of a, an alternation to God's plan. But here's the thing. Whenever we do that, we're just going to create unnecessary hardship for ourselves and we're going to delay the work of God in our lives. So even though the Lord might at times, you know, give us instruction and give us a command that's, that's going to be maybe difficult emotionally, it might be challenging because, you know, I'm gonna have to break off this relationship or, or something like that. The point is we need to do it. We need to do it because even though God will, in his grace, he'll be merciful to us and he'll help us to recover, but we will slow down the process of his work in our lives and, and we can end up distracted. We can end up stuck in a place. I'm sure when Abram was in Haran, he was probably thinking, what, what are we doing here? How in the world did we get here? This isn't where God told us to go. And he probably was stuck there for quite a while. So it's important that we obey the specific instruction that God gives us. So the call of God contains also the promise of God's blessing as we go on and read. And this is what God said to him as he appeared to him and spoke to him. Not only was he to leave his country and his family and go to this land, but God says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you and in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God just appears to this man and he says, I'm gonna start a whole new thing and I'm gonna do it with you. Abraham is to be the progenitor of the savior of the world. That's what God reveals to him. He is going to create a new nation through which he can fulfill his promise of sending the Messiah into the world. And so verse four picks up after the temporary detour to Haran. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had and the people whom they had acquired in Haran and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were in the land. So they make this long, long journey from all the way up north, and they come to Shechem. They come to the area of Samaria, what we would know today as the West Bank. This is the region that they call the West Bank. And that is the place that Abram came to. And notice 
the little note that the Canaanites were in the land. Now, the Canaanites were an extremely wicked people as well. So remember, he's called to go out of Ur of the Chaldees, where there's just blatant idolatry. He's called to go to Canaan, where things aren't really morally or spiritually any better off. But God is sending him there because eventually he is going to uproot and cast the Canaanites out of the land, and he's going to give the land to Abraham and to his descendants. And so now, as he has arrived in the land, then the Lord appeared to Abram and said. So it would seem that from that initial revelation that God had given until now, there had not been any further revelation or instruction. And and there's a principle there. And I think the, the principle has application to us today. We have got to do what God tells us to do before we can expect him to tell us what else to do or the next thing to do. We've we've got to do the first thing. And a a lot of times, you know, we don't want to do that. Well, Lord, I'll do this, but tell me the rest. Well, Lord, just, just show me where this is going and then I'll do it. But it doesn't work that way. You see, this is the way it works. And this is the way God works. God rarely, if ever, gives us any kind of a detailed picture of the future. I've certainly found that in my life. God will give you just sort of a a sense of something, but I have found that he will reserve the details for himself. And so now he's in Canaan. And the Lord appeared to him and said, to your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So notice this is now an addition to the promise that God had given. The promises included, remember, making his name great, making him a blessing, blessing him, and cursing those who cursed him, being the progenitor of the Messiah. And now, and this is going to become more and more defined as we go on, but now God makes it clear to your seed, descendants in my Bible, but literally to your seed, I will give this land. And Abram built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. Now we're gonna see this with Abram. He is Above everything else, Abram is a worshiper of God. Now think of this. Abram doesn't go to church. He doesn't have a church. There's no such thing as a church. He doesn't have a Bible. He might very well have the records that have been passed down from the previous generations about the work of God. But he is a worshiper of God. So he continued 
journeying south. So Bethel and Ai, if you, if you were to look at a map, again, Shechem would be in the, in the center of the country, north of Jerusalem. Bethel is further south, sort of east, southeast of Jerusalem a bit. And, and now he's continuing to go south in the land. But verse 10 tells us now there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. Now listen to what happens. This is our man of faith. And it came to pass when he was close to entering Egypt that he said to Sarai, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, for it will happen when the Egyptians see you that they will say, This is his wife, and they will kill me but they will let you live. Please say you are my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. Now, it's interesting that this was not an unfounded fear. There, is, there was recovered in, um, in an excavation a tablet that spoke of an Egyptian king who sent his army out to kill a man specifically because he wanted her wife about the same time that Abram lived. So, you know, it's not a totally unfounded fear. And as we're going to find out a little bit later, but I'll let you in on the secret already, Sarai was, he wasn't totally lying. She was his half-sister. And that'll come out later, but... Here he says, let's be brother and sister. We can be husband and wife later. Right now, let's be brother and sister. That's more advantageous for my well-being. And so she agrees to do it. And so it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman, that she was very beautiful. The princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. Of course, they would have a harem, and so she would be a candidate to join the harem. He treated Abram well for her sake. He had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because Sarai, Abram's wife, and Pharaoh, because of Sarai, Abram's wife, and Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you have done to me? Why did you not tell me that she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Now, therefore, here is your wife. Take her and go your way. So Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Then Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot went with them to the south. Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai to the place of the altar, which he had made there at first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. So notice we see again that Abram is in the school of faith and he's learning lessons. And as is sometimes the case, you learn lessons the hard way by doing the wrong thing and having to live with certain consequences and, and, you know, progress through that method. 
But notice what happens. As soon as he can, he gets out of there and he gets right back to where he was before. And he goes right back to what he had previously been doing. He goes back to worshiping. He goes back to Bethel. By the way, Bethel means the house of God. So there was that place of God's presence was evidently there. And so we see him that he, he kind of you know, ventures out on his own. And again, this is what we do sometimes as well. The Lord is speaking to us and he's leading us and we move out and we have some success and we're obedient and we begin to experience his blessing and then something else comes up and we just say, oh, well, you know, hey, that looks good or, well, I don't need to pray about that. I can, of course, just anybody knows that that's the right thing to do. And so we just launch out without consulting the Lord and then what happens? We find ourselves in trouble. And God is merciful. He's gracious. He, you know, might let us get roughed up a little bit. But he soon restores us, brings us back. We come to our senses and say, oh, Lord, I can't believe that I did that. I can't believe that I didn't pray about that. Now, again, this is the kind of thing that, you know, we might do this stuff to some extent all of our lives. We're, we're growing all of our lives. We're learning through all of our lives. But the wonderful thing in all of that to me is the patience of God with human weakness. You see, God doesn't write us off. He doesn't say, okay, that's it. You didn't pray about it. So you're out. I'm finished. I'm sick and tired of you not praying and seeking my counsel and going out on your own, getting yourself in trouble and having to get you out of it. I'm finished with you. You know, the wonderful thing is God doesn't do that because God's our father. And like a good father, what does he do? Well, he corrects us. He works with us. I remember times when my kids were younger and I would spank them. And I would immediately after I spanked them, spend the next five minutes at least hugging them. Because I wanted them to know that even though I was disciplining them and needed to discipline them, that I, I love them. And the same is true with God. And, you know, the thing that I just, I feel that so often we don't realize it as Christians. We get this image of God in our head. We think of God as anxious to judge. We think of him as impatient and easily angered, easily irritated. And, you know, if, if we've slipped up in any way, he's just waiting for an opportunity to chastise us or in, in some instances just to disregard us, just, just get rid of us. And that is so far from the picture of God that we have in the Bible. And the beautiful thing about the lives of these patriarchs is that we see how God works with people and he works with human weakness. And we see that the life of faith is a life of growing and developing in our faith. And so just 
Know that. <laughs> know that. That God is patient. And those promises he's given you, he's gonna fulfill those promises. He's called us to certain things in, in order to, to help bring those promises along. God has spoken many things to me, given me many promises and told me, okay, now this is what I'm gonna do. Now you do this and okay, I'll do it. And then I find that I'm not doing it and I'm frustrated and I'm impatient and then I'm complaining and murmuring and you know, God is saying, okay, forget it. I'm not gonna do that now. I take it back. The Lord just says, no, Brian, you need to learn to quit murmuring. You need to learn to just wait patiently for me. And I find in my own life, the Lord just keeps coming back. And sometimes, you know, it's the same lesson over and over again. Okay, here I am again. Yes, Lord, for the 500th time, I'm gonna pray this prayer again. (laughs) But you know what? He's there and he is patient and he will keep working with us as long as we come and just say, Lord, I've blown it. And like I said, I'm sure when Abram was in Haran, I'm sure he was thinking, oh, I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I let my dad lead this thing and I'm stuck and this isn't where I'm supposed to be. And God knew all of that. That's all right. Just let's, let's get moving again goes down to Egypt. And can you imagine how he felt when Pharaoh's rebuking him? The great man of faith, the great man of God is being rebuked by a pagan king. He must have been thinking to himself, oh, I can't believe I did this. Oh, Lord, forgive me for not praying. What am I doing in Egypt? I'm not supposed to be in Egypt. How did I do that to Sarah? What what was I thinking? Oh, God. It's all right, Abram. Let's go back up to Bethel. And just the patient, continual work of grace in our lives. And that's the God that we serve. The God, that, the God of glory that appeared to Abraham while he was in Mesopotamia, that's the God we serve. The way God worked in his life is the way he works in our lives. And so be encouraged by that. And as we continue to go through, we're gonna see that he is just, you know, it's a lot of ways, it's just one lesson after another. But he's gonna grow and his faith is gonna become stronger and the test will get more severe. But God is faithful and he will pass the test. God is faithful and we will pass the test as well. Let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. So I want to tell you about this great book that I recently read called The Air We Breathe. And the subtitle is How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality. And the gist of the book is that whether we know it or not, all the things that we're passionate about, like progress, equality, freedom, kindness, All of these things are important to us because of Christianity, because of the influence of the gospel on our culture. 
And people hold to these values passionately, but they don't really even know where they came from. So this book, Glenn Scrivener is the author. He does a superb job in just tracing all of these things right back to where they originated in Jesus and the gospel. So the air we breathe, I highly recommend that you pick it up and read through it. I know that you're going to love it, and I know it will help you in conversation with others as well. Again, this month's resource is a book titled The Air We Breathe, How We All Came to Believe in Freedom, Kindness, Progress, and Equality by Glenn Shrivener. You can order the book The Air We Breathe by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book The Air We Breathe by Glenn Shrivener to help you understand some of culture's most cherished values. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.